Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, we will go into our segments, uh, Thinking, Playing, Doing. And Ryan, hit us up with the topic of this episode, please. We're going to channel our inner Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to give love to the, de- no, not the designers. We've already done that. We're going to give love to the artists. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture going into thinking, doing, playing board games. Ryan, get us going with this, please. Sure. So um, this past weekend, yeah, towards the end of last week, then this past weekend, I got in some plays of Marco Polo 2 in service of the con on Board Game Arena. Cool. Um, I have the physical board game, but I haven't actually ended up, I haven't played it um, quite yet. So I saw that Board Game Arena had an implementation for it. I thought I'd give it give it a go. I just played with some some random people that uh, that I now am on friends with on Board Game Arena. And I've always been a really big fan of the original Marco Polo, the Voyages of Marco Polo, I believe that's what it's referred to as. Yeah. And this is a Simone Luciani and <laughs> <laughs> designed game, of course, one of my favorite designers. Ian, have you ever heard him talk about these guys? I think a few times, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Marco Polo, the original Marco Polo, I'll just call it OG Marco Polo or MP1. I don't know what, what do I refer to it as? I don't know. Um, it was always I, I always really really enjoyed. It was a very um, it's a dice drafting game. No, not a dice drafting. It's a dice dra- uh, dice worker placement game where you have to be very efficient with the way you use your dice because what you're going to have to do is you have to travel across a board and gain money and gain resources and fulfill contracts and all this lovely jazz. And the original Marco Polo was very. It was a very tight economy. Like you had to be very, very efficient with your resources and your money to be able to go traveling and fulfill contracts. And then I heard about Marco Polo too, where they said they started fixing a bunch of the things of the original design and try to make it, I don't know, a more clean implementation of it, I yeah. guess. Um, I guess there's some people out there that weren't fans of how tight the game was. And I found that that, the new implementation, Marco Polo 2, is a much more wide open um, type, game, uh, type of game. And what I mean by that is that you can almost do whatever you want now in Marco Polo. Like traveling is not as expensive to do as yeah. in the original Marco Polo. Traveling is actually a much bigger part of the game of Marco Polo 2. And the contracts are still important, but they're not as easy to get in Marco Polo 2. But they're still a big part of the scoring and being able to get some chaining of some bonuses and all that kind of jazz. Um, Marco Polo 2 is definitely kind of, I would say, a meatier version. There's a when you look at it, there's a lot going on, way more going on than, say, the original Marco Polo. Um, I'm not sure if I liked the fact that it was so much more wide open that I could do whatever I want. Like I never felt like I could never get my resources. Whereas in the original Marco Polo, you had to be like, Oh no, turn order is very important because yeah. I need to get some camels. I need to get some gold. I need to get the, those seem to be more readily available 
but the um, sequencing of your actions is much more a bigger part of Marco Polo 2, I found, than, okay. say, in Marco Polo 1. Marco Polo 1, the or turn order was very important. Yeah. And it was a very expensive. Yeah, every, all your actions were very expensive. This one, the actions aren't as expensive, but you have to really kind of like, you know, really hone in on a strategy and follow it. There's not this, oh, just do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. You have to really pay attention. Like Kind of like in the Mark original, you have to really play to your character's strength. They still have the characters that have really groundbreaking <laughs> abilities. Every card's overpowered. <laughs> yeah, pr- pr- yeah, pretty much. Like the opponent I was playing against, he drafted a character where he got to ignore all the money and camel costs of all the travel routes. But he was only ever, when he did his traveling, he only could do do one path at a time. He couldn't multiple, he couldn't travel multiple paths. But he found ways to combo where he got some extra movements every now and then. Well, I mean, that's the thing about that game is, can you find the synergistic connection of all the elements that you have? And then, it well, kind of playing. counter. It also was a kind of a counterbalance to my character. Was also a travel-based character, but I allow. But for one single movement, I could do two movements at the same time. Yeah, type of thing. And every time cool. that I did that, I scored points and got money if I could. Um. So in the end, which one do I like better? I don't know. They're both kind of like they're both the same type of game, but they all both provide a very different experience. Yeah. Like when you're going to play Marco Polo 1, you already know like 99% of the rules of Marco Polo 2. Well, when you, you, when you play it, but it's a, but it's also a very quite a bit it plays quite a bit differently. The rule sets are the same. The way you kind of score points are the same. But it still offers the I don't know, you have to you have to play it. We'll play it sometime on Board Game Arena here and I'll show you cuz I think I've shown you both voyages of Marco Polo, the first one. Yeah. And uh you already so you'll 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 be able to see it and be able to pick it up really quite, um, really quite quickly. Cool. So would you say that this is legitimately a sequel as opposed to just a different version, like a yeah, new edition? Ca- yeah, this is definitely a this is definitely its own game. It's not second edition. It's yes. no. Okay, no. so they named it properly then. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they did they did do uh, they did do like you know the colon. In the service <laughs> of the con, subtitles yeah, not necessary, but yeah, yeah, okay. they, they they totally dropped the voyages of Marco Polo. They just called it Marco Polo Two. Well, that's all right. You know, Ghostbusters can do it. But yes, it's a definitely its own game. Uh, I would say a lot of people you could just jump in right into the Marco because I know the original Marco Polo is harder to find right now. Um, just because of this new game has come out, I don't think that they're really printing that original one anymore. And the designers have come out and said that this is just, they think that this one's a better implementation of what they wanted to do with that original design. Cool. So yeah, Marco Polo 2, definitely check it out and you can check it out on Board Game Arena right now. Right on. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to step into nothing that has to do with that theme at all. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, I mentioned this before uh, in, in one of my, in one segment of uh, Think and Play and Do. And, and this is uh, New York Zoo, uh, designed by Uwe Rosenberg uh, and published by Capstone Games. And it's new this year, which is odd for me, right? Because I'm not Mr. Co- you know, the hotness. But it was kind of not the hotness, but a reflection on the past because, um, as I mentioned before, this is uh, Rosenberg's little polyomino, uh, um, uh, a patchwork-y rondelle kind of you know, thing. And instead of moving a piton, you move in a elephant around a track that has options of either populating your zoo with animals or populating your zoo plot, player template in front of you, uh, with which is like basically a big patchwork grid, um, populating that with, uh, with pens, animal pens. And uh, the animals obviously go in the pens and when you, and there's certain I think there's four, four space, five space, and six space, um, four, five, and six space pens of polyominal sizes that you can uh, um, put in. And of course, the smaller ones are at the bottom because the game board gets tighter as you progress and to pull these things off. 
Um, the cool part that's different than patchwork is the 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 set the set collecting because once you complete once you fill in a whole pen, um, you trigger uh, what is uh, the reward. Uh, you have the ability to put one of those animals back into their little uh, animal keeper houses for later use, and then go get. Uh, basically a space filler because the point of this game is whoever fills up their their their, their terrain player um, you know space in front of them wins the game so it's a race so when the reward for for uh, completing these sets of animals is to get these you know a big ferris wheel or a big roller coaster ride that occupies a lot of space so there's uh, there's only a limited amount of the big occupying space ones and then of course of decreasing value down to you know a little popcorn stand that fills in one square but those are necessary because you have those little as you're filling in your little patchworky pardon my you know use of this the the seed that started this whole thing um, uh, that yeah yeah every it, it's it's kind of you know how you have these really good elegant games and then you have the two-player version of it um, this is the reverse. Uh, Patchwork was a brilliant two-player game, and then they went, "Hey, let's put a th- uh, you know a thicker, deeper theme on this and create a board game version of this." Right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 ha- I'm having lots of fun, and it plays brilliant, brilliant. I can't even speak brilliantly solo. So, um, uh, yeah, I can't I I can endorse this um, all night long. This would be a great great uh, Christmas present. For anybody out there, because the, I think the price is um, completely reasonable and it's accessible at at all of our uh, sponsors' stores. So, yeah, uh, you got to stop talking about this one, so because you're really you're really kind of you're 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 you're, you're triggering me, triggering the acquisition <laughs> disorder here. Nice, <laughs> my starting the itch. Good, oh, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean it's. Get, uh, honestly, you'll probably get it. You'll probably play it, uh, you know, get a nice, you know, a rush of, of plays out of it and then set it aside and then know because it's such an easy rule set that it's not going to be one of these front load heavy games where mm-hmm. you have to, oh, I got to reread the rule book. And no, man, this is. Well, we'll, we'll have to set up a, 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 temp, a temporary trade over the Christmas break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll lend yeah. you something, you lend me something, and then we'll swap back. Yeah, like a Cold War spy uh, switch. Yeah, we could totally do that, man. Cool. Ian, what do you got going on, man? Um, So I actually got a few plays in on BGA this week. So I did actually do something. Uh, (laughs) Got in a game of Terra Mystica. So that was was nice. One thing I noticed is that I just, I'm just really missing the physical board games. Because yep. one thing I do with Terra Mystica, because with Terra Mystica, you, <clears throat> you get all these resources at the beginning of the game, it's like, or at the beginning of the, each round, right? You get your income. And so you get your worker cubes, and you get your money. And I'd always, like, set out exact piles of what <laughs> I plan to do that round, right? And how much it's going to cost me, and I got all these little piles in front of me. And so then I remember what I'm going to be doing, too, so I don't forget any of the turns. And digitally, I can't do that because it's just a little marker on the screen. And I'm like, and I just got this need to... You need a little to, sketch pad. To fiddle with them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need like a little like a little whiteboard or something like that. Was, on yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so that was... Uh, or just take out the bits from your own game and just set them in front of you. Yeah, there you go. I mean, if you want tactile, man, go straight there for them. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, so I definitely lost that game. Um, Quick question: Does does the game lose anything as far as like the system, the play on BGA, or is it just you want that tactileness? Well, I want it, yeah. But but the game itself is just it's the same puzzle, <clears throat> it's the same strategy game. Yeah, I think it's implemented pretty well. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then we played. Oh, now I don't even remember. What did we play after that, Ryan? Stone Age. Because you popped in, and we saw you come online. And yeah, Stone Age. We played Stone Age. Where we got absolutely trounced. Yep, lost that one. <laughs> lost that one. Sometimes I, I, I it's was, scary I was, going into a game. 
I was the smartest of the dumb kids. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's three of us that were like it was like 158, 156, and one fifty five, and yeah, then the, the guy like who won was like over two hundred. Yeah, oh, he crushed us. But you know what? I noticed that a lot too in in that in that game because that that game can swing hard real fast depending on those dice rolls, right? Right. So. And we weren't I, rolling I, very good. I love that game though. It's fun. Yeah, the dice rolling is the tactile part you're missing there, because you put them in a the little cup. And and the one other thing is because the leather cup. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, of course, with BGA, I always notice the rules that I get wrong. Right? We've we've talked about that before. And this one kind of makes me mad because when I first learned Stone Age, which was a long time ago, a long time ago, I I learned this rule wrong, and. Many years later, at the con, I learned that at TuneCon, I learned that it was not that way, but I like it better, and we still have always kept playing with it. And so, once once everyone's workers are out, you got your cavemen out, then you got to take them up and actually do the actions and actually roll the dice. Well, the way you're supposed to play, and the way that it is on BGG, is that each player takes all their people off the board, right, and then we do that in turn order which I guess adds more to the turn order, um, which doesn't really mean anything because it's just uh, goes around in a circle. It's not like you're trying to get turn order, so there's yeah. no strategic part to that. But we always did like a pathway. And so we'd start at the huts, right? And so anybody who had your tool hut and your love shack and all that, you'd, everybody would do that first. And then it would go to the food area and all the way, and we'd wrap around the board. And so whoever had their pieces in that area would then roll and then the next person and the next person and then we go through the cards and then we go through the huts and and that way it's a little less waiting all the time right so because if ryan's taking his turn but he's got five things to do on his turn well then and you're turn player number four and you're like oh you done yet yeah whereas this one you know everybody's doing a little bits as we go around the board because you're just following the pathway and it depends where your people are and I actually like, and of course, I completely admit that, yeah, that was a rule that I got wrong, but I just didn't pay attention to when we learned it. But we've been doing that for years, and I kind of like it better. That's so. that, that, yeah, no, it's, it just, I don't think it takes away from the actual game uh, gameplay, but sometimes there, there's only like some niche circumstances like, oh, like I've got a guy on a card that's going to give resources. I might want those resources to pay for something else or trigger before maybe. you do something else order right. operations yeah 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 but i think that's pretty rare yeah no they're like i said they're very niche <laughs> circumstances <laughs> oh you've never seen me play sometimes i pay for the check with another check <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and what else do we play there's um, another one well, it wasn't when norm wasn't, ditched us oh <laughs> <laughs> what did we end up playing I don't even remember oh, now. Oh, oh Lost we, Cities. We played Lost Cities. Yeah, and I lost that one. <laughs> oh, I counted you on that one. I'm not doing very well with it right now. I don't have a good track record. I have to learn how to play that one. I don't think the rule set's too difficult, is it? No, I, I like it on BGA because it does the math for us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a bonus. Math it up, baby. <laughs> nice. So that's pretty much the extent of your uh, online... Uh, yep. Cool. Maybe we might be able to talk Ian into trying out Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. I got to get a little deeper <laughs> into that one. It, 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 it might, it might get, you can you can play your Terra Mystica and line up all your bits on your table, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but digitally. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. 
And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into the topic, our uh, top board game artists, and uh, hopefully we can cite a few examples so that uh, everybody can get a froth on for uh, how awesome visually a lot of these modern board games are. And um, uh, what, uh, what triggered this idea for me was I think I was watching Amazon Prime or something like that, and uh, I watched uh, kind of like a... Uh, uh, third-party documentary of the um, artists of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and all the way from the original and 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 amazingly, as I mean, and I'm, I have that on as I'm doing my correcting. And amazingly enough, um, a lot of these examples that they were putting on the screen, I totally remembered them from old player handbooks. Like I'm I'm talking back to the player handbooks where there was a staple in the top left corner. Um, and uh, like the old the old black and white stuff all the way up to, you know, like the third edition stuff that I was still into. And and wow, um, a lot of what they were talking about triggered something in my head that a lot of these images while I was playing, I would focus on this and it would help the depth of the narrative and that whole suspension of disbelief and drawing me into this game. And then I and I think I, I quickly texted you guys and said, we you know. We got to talk about the artists that are, that draw us into these absolutely wonderful games. So, um, yeah, Ryan, Ryan, we're, let's let's all take a little you know one shot turn around the horn and we can we can weigh in and weigh out kind of thing. So, but uh, yeah, you yeah this, yeah, this is an interesting topic for me because I think in some of my past reviews, I always kind of I kind of skim over to the art and I said my <laughs> my, my, my my favorite favorite comment always is. Well, you're not going to be playing this game for the art. That, that's always that's always been kind of like one of my my. We'll my talk about food things. chain magnet pretty soon. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I really do enjoy some. Uh, like there, there are definitely some artists out there that really do a good job of getting you right into the uh, the gaming experience. Um, my first example that I'll that I'll bring up is one of my favorite games of all time. And that is that is Scythe, where um, yeah. it, it, where the the artist of that game is now. I think it's Jakob Jakob Rosliski, Rosliski, <laughs> and this was an example where um, I believe it was Jamie Stegmeier had found his art yeah. and inspired him to um, design a game in this world yeah be inspired where, by it. where the um the, it, it wasn't that the game was created first and then the art and the world was built around the game it was the game was inspired by art yeah. to begin with and if you take a look at his like actual art prints like they're stellar i, I put it in the sh i put it in the show notes uh, mm -hmm. to his to his actual website and so everything that they've done with those um and you really see his art pieces come out in those encounter cards. Yeah. Like those are the, those are snippets of different pieces of art that he has. And they do a really good job of portraying what is going on. The board itself though is, 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 is fan is fantastic. And I like all the Easter eggs that are inside the, the, the <laughs> I board love as well. Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like Santa Claus on the board and there's like a little, Thor. Like a Thor. And there's like a, <laughs> some Wolfman monster and, which are some callbacks to some of his other art pieces yeah. that he had, that that he has um, done, and so that one was, I thought I thought it was a really cool example of it was art that was yeah. that inspired the game, and it's very evocative art. Like you just look at a picture and it it does build a whole world that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. The, you you can take a look at any one of those stills, and you could tell a story. Yeah, about what is going on. That's going on right there, which is a great, which is a, a fantastic feature that you want. You want that picture to paint that 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 picture painted to tell a thousand words. The um the the art style um reminded me a lot of uh, of the storyboard uh, artist stuff renderings of the early Star Wars uh, um, environments because they wanted it to look used and and beat up and broken, and you know not shiny and. Like and the Mal Ralph McQuarrie stuff you're talking? Like, uh, I, I, I don't know if the artists, art. yeah, some, some of those concept stuff, just to start the whole thing up. Uh, I, I remember Lucas saying, I want it to look used. I want everything to look 
like it, it was been recovered and because he's an old car nut right and he and he used to work on hot rods so i could see him wanting things to be looking like they're just welded together for now because that's all i got time for right and um i see that that kind of that that metal i don't want to say steampunk because uh I, I don't want to put it into that category because it's got way more art and way, way more, like you said, Brian, there's so much more narrative in a single image. Yeah. Okay, just on a complete sidebar, which you can cut if you want, Norm, or leave it in if you think it's cool. Because <laughs> no, I was looking at one of these pictures yeah. that has a wolf on it. I saw a wolf today on my way from work today. It just showed up on the side of the highway. Freaking it was like a crit. full wolf. I was like, that is sweet. This is like Aurora Borealis Twilight Zone stuff, man. <laughs> cool. And it was and it was an albino wolf too. <laughs> but cool. back on to and uh, on to like um Jakob here. I don't think he's done any other board game art. I don't uh, for, I've I tried to do some research into it, but I don't think he's done any other games. No, I think you're right. Just all this just all the stuff for Scythe. Yeah. He was, I, I, um, something wants to say that he's a gal, he had a gallery, um, um, uh, sets up on display and that's where, that's where his stuff was discovered. And I think that's how this whole path started was, was a sighting and someone went, Hey, I can build something from this. But yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, this is an excellent example to start us off with, uh, Ian. Okay, so I think my favorite board game artist is someone who I don't actually hear talked about a lot, but he's done some stellar games. Uh, his name is Miguel Coimbra, and he um, he's done a few of my favorite games, including Seven Wonders. So he's the artist on Seven Wonders, and so he did all the art on all those cards. Uh, small World, so if you remember that kind of cartoony, goofy Small World stuff, that's him. Oh, cool. And so it, and there's a lot of humor injected in those cartoons, right? Like he's got, he's got the pictures of the wizards and it's like, and the wizard's holding a big tome. But then if you look in the tome, it says like 101 card game tricks or something. <laughs> and so he adds a lot of humor into it. Uh, he did Cyclades. So he's the Cyclades artist. So he did all those Greek gods and everything. Um, and, uh, and he's done a lot of like the... Days of Wonder stuff. Or earlier on, he did a lot of Days of Wonder stuff too. Cool. I think he's just very vibrant. Like he's got a lot of vibrant art, and he can go from really goofy to to more classical with the Seven Wonders stuff. And I think he's it's really good. Right on. Yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm taking I was just taking a scan through some of his games here, and yep, yeah, yeah, lots of Days of Wonder, like Deep Blue. He was the guy on Deep Blue there, and. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Cool. Oh, hit Z Road, Norm. Hey, that's him? Yep. Nice, nice. I was just having a swing and looking at the board. Um, yeah, that's, he's, <laughs> like, if you're going to use the metaphor of actors, he's he's like a solid character actor. <laughs> like, he's not the feature, but, man, he's in a lot of stuff. Cool. You know what? And I, the good transition, because I think, I don't know if this one is, like, you know, a, a star quality, like, like can carry a motion picture or if they're a, a good supporting um, type. No, um, that metaphor kind of fizzled out real quick. Uh, I, I want to talk about Vincent Dutre. Um, Vincent Dutre, uh, he's got such a, um, uh, like he's, I, I believe he's French. So he's, to me, he's got this, this uh, uh, 1800s-esque quality, this kind of uh, um, pencil and ink um, kind of animation style or art style that is that is vintagey to me. Uh, examples that he's done, like one of my favorite examples is Lewis and Clark, The Expedition, but I'll quickly run through Yellow and Yangtze, uh, Raptor, Broom Service, Treasure Island, Discoveries, Rise of Augustus, uh, New York 1901, um, uh, do, 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 to call to the lost temple um robinson yeah. crusoe robinson crusoe yeah so he's another one of these guys that he, that his stuff is out there and you've seen it and seen it and uh 
and but, but I don't know if those lot of the the stylistically if those lines all connected themselves for you to go hey that's that's one of the um artists that I like so uh, as an example I'm trying to find the game museum because I hear the game's good but the art looks stellar and it's museum so obviously the visuals of the you know the artist's rendition of all these museum pieces is should be on point so that yeah, my uh, my my favorite one of my favorites here is Vincent Vincent Dutre yeah he's definitely got when you take a look at his um his his collection of games that he has done art for you can definitely like you once you see it you're like yeah, yeah. he he's got he's got a style yeah to him that you will say yep that's a Vincent Dutre game it's like that it's like a watercolor line drawing right it's it's just it's interesting I don't want to say Monet-esque because my wife is more of a art history history type person, so I would be completely out of my realm, <laughs> which I am all the time, right? Conjecture. <laughs> oh, he did the cover of the recent version of Diplomacy, which is a cover that I love. The one with the like the three guys in the planning room. Just saying that, just saying the name of that game gets my just. I want to just get angry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Brian, back to you, man. Hand off. Okay. So another one that I'm going to bring up is a guy who not only, um, does, like he's a, he's a board game designer, but he designs his own games and he also does the art for his own games. And that is Ryan Lockett. Yeah, from, from, and his and his company Red Raven Games. So like all of the games that he has done for like Above and Below, Near and Far, um, Islebound, Islebound, that's and a, um, that's a Empires, Empires of the Void, and oh, he's got one that's coming out that I've put on here because I've the one that I've been paying attention to, which is Sleeping Gods, is the one that's going to be coming out very very shortly here. Hey, did you know that one is on Kickstarter? It was on Kickstarter, <laughs> <laughs> but he's another one of those ones where it's like you take a look at the game, and it was that's a that's a Ryan Lockett yeah game, um, absolutely. Not only just not only just designed by, but his art style, just that ever so elegant. Like I I know nothing about art. I'm yeah. going to come out and say that, but just the way like, just like you can see the brush strokes, and it's very it's a very calming and relaxing thing he, to look at he has beautiful curves to his art yeah you may make sure you say to his art i haven't we've actually met ryan lockett at, at MeepleCon like a long time ago and we I, you for, know what and i and i don't even think i i knew it was him <laughs> <laughs> but his yeah like i said his art is very elegant yeah he i think he does a very good job of immersing you into the world that he is trying to portray in his gameplay um, and yeah, I love that's that another he, one that I would pay attention to. <clears throat> Pardon me. I love that his um, his he's created a world of species, yeah. and 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 a lot of the stuff is interchangeable. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I I agree wholeheartedly, Ryan. Yeah, great artist. Yeah, yeah Ryan Lockett, artist, designer, publisher. He and does. He's the he's the man of everything. He's the Renaissance uh, the Renaissance man for cardboard ian you've played some uh red raven stuff no well it's um the uh, near and far i think is one of my favorites in the simple fact of that whole choose your own adventure aspect of it but now we're getting into design not the artist so but yeah no the art awesome cool and i just i just saw it right here he's done art for some dominion games well, Actually, Dominion. Like, that's where he got his. Dominion story. had has a like a bunch of artists, right? So they'll yeah. they'll contract out a few cards to a bunch of artists, and so there's a big conglomeration of them. But he's, I didn't know he was part of that. I didn't know that. Yeah, like he's got. Yeah, it, there's most of the Dominion stuff is listed underneath his profile here. So so he's contributed some stuff to that. That's changed your opinion of him, hasn't it? <laughs> Why? Well, I, I have I have no qualms about Dominion. Dominion's no, 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 no. I, I mean, as for no, for as far as Ian, because he's a huge Dominion fan now. He's like, maybe I think this guy is not okay. Uh, Ian, let's hear another artist from you. Uh, okay, so 
don't know if he's one of my favorites, but he's definitely got a style that I am drawn to, and that's Clemens Franz, who does a lot of the <laughs> yeah. Rosenberg games, right? He's yeah. got a very distinctive style. Like, it's it's a, a little messy, It's a but it's very... It's like you take static Euro drawings, but you run it through this weird filter that he's got. And it's very pastoral, and it almost looks cartoony, but not quite, right? Yeah. Like, it's... He's just on the verge of cartoony and not. And one thing I really appreciate is all the little details that he throws in. <laughs> so, like, if you look on the Agricola tiles, yeah. like the house tiles, I know what you're talking. You'll about. find that on one on the table, the family is actually playing Agricola <laughs> on the table, and then there's another one where they're playing Bonanza. Yeah. And uh, and, then, and then he's got this. There's something about a bottle too, like a like a message in a bottle that like travels from the Lahav Harbor and then goes through all of Rosenberg's other games oh. and you can it's a little easter egg you I can find in that. his other games cool There's I just cool love details. how out of nowhere in a corner of a board you'll see you know two or three little chickens just kind of hanging out in one you know and and like when you said there's not that much detail in it but there's enough detail for those animals to have expression and those animals to have intrigue so yeah no yeah yeah Absolutely. I, yeah, so I may as well jump in here because I put um, Clems Franz on mine. And I put him as, like, quote-unquote, the standard in Euro game art. Yeah. So, like, like you know you're getting into a Euro game when you see that, like, exactly what Ian said, that filter mm-hmm. that he puts onto the, the card. And one of my favorite games um, that he does art, that he did the art for, is Grand Austria Hotel, which has a massive deck of cards with all these people on it. And some character lots of the people like the the special characters they're the ones that on the green tables they're the special characters and they're all characters from other from all of his other games <laughs> so there's so there's the lahav like sailor there's right the um there's a um some some guy in a headdress from like zolkin <laughs> is on there and he's, he's he does call these all these callbacks to all these other games that cool. he's done um art for in in that one which is Kind of like you said, like it's the Easter egg thing yeah. that he like that he likes to do. My fave out of his his is by far Lahav, just because there's so many cards with so much, so much to look at. Yeah, yeah, what a great pick, man. And plus, you know his because when he designs the icon the iconography for a game, like it's it's crystal clear, and from one game to the next, it's very consistent. Yeah. to his to his style like how he portrays points and how he portrays um ongoing effects like it, all, even all those all those little things the icons that he uses in the graphic design process is really good too cool who's next norm you're well, you or ryan i'm gonna uh, uh, i'm yeah, up norm. next um i'm gonna follow suit like how you said uh clemens franz is basically the image the, you know, the one of the stand alone kind of ideas visually of Euros. I, I'm going to, if he's the right hand, I'm going to talk about the left hand of this standards of Eurovision. I'm going to talk about Michael Manzel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Legends of Andor, which he um, designed uh, as well, but uh, Catan, Havana, Stone Age, Dominion. Um, Pillars of the Earth, Shogun, uh, I just his stuff to me is because uh, <laughs> I love my Euros. So when I look at his artwork, I'm comforted at the fact that it it, um, it it's it's I it's it's a Euro. You look at his stuff and it is definitely Euro by I don't know how artistically to describe it, but it's it's like uh like Clemens Franz, you know you're looking at a Euro game. You're not looking at, you know, some abstracty so on and so forth. It's you 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 know what you're going to uh, dive into when you're looking at his games. And and I I really feel like his his art is actually really quite beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. But these but these are some of the games that I, I know a lot of people kind of like. Uh, and I'm going to use the word poo poo on because <laughs> it's the very brown yeah. palette yeah. of euro design and so when people say this is the dry dusty euro quite oftentimes you're probably talking about a michael menzel art artwork that's 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 inside the game 
when you're, when you're looking at it. But when you take the time to pay attention to the details, like I'm looking at on um, Bruges. Yeah, oh, he, did yeah. the, he did the original Bruges. Like, kind of thing. like I didn't even it, get into like the depth of his stuff. Oh yeah. Like if you add some more, because he's just there's so many beautiful box covers to look at, and of, and of course everybody's going to know that, the, or a lot of people won't know that you've looked at a Michael Manzel game because he did for Catan. Mm-hmm. Like he he he's got, he's done the Catan art, but yeah, every like so many things that he's done. Actually, when you look at his page on um, <laughs> Board Game Geek, you're just going to see a whole bunch of the Catan. <laughs> stuff like right there but everything else like you said stone age that was one that we just recently played yeah um, he really good um, stuff yeah if there's something about about the the soothingness of his art right and it's and it's also like we, we just said with the clems france it's the consistency that you're going to get too yeah 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 like yeah. like dutre you see his style and you know it's him I think that's that. I think that's really true for I think all of the designers that we're going to be kind of, kind of I looking at the so, list. Yeah. I, I've looked at the list uh, ahead of time that we've kind of typed into the notes here, and yes, lots of these guys. When you look at them, when you say their name, you're like, oh yeah, that's this, this, this. Yeah, they have their very unique styles. Cool. Okay, well, Ryan, swinging it back to you. Okay, who am I going to go with here? Um. How about we get um, one one of the um, the heavyweights um, lately <laughs> for this one, and that is uh, Beth Sobel, yeah, and her and her artwork. Oh my, okay. So if I had the favorite board game designer, or sorry, board game artist, I think Beth Sobel has to be at the top here. The stuff that she has created, mm-hmm. um, wingspan. Like, how long did that take her <laughs> to? create all those pieces of art yeah well i think she had a team like i think she had a couple other people with her on that one but But it's her but it's her main style that was um that 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 came through and then she also did um you know wingspan looks okay yeah (laughs) it's it won it won it won won best podcast just (laughs) just so everyone's aware i love wingspan and i think it's amazing yeah um, she also did like there's a new version of a card game that Norm and I love to play. It's Arboretum, and the trees that were pre- depicted in that game are came, came so much more alive in the Renegade and her version. And then I actually didn't know this when I was looking it up, but she's she also contributed art pieces to Viticulture. Yes, she did, and uh, she did another Har- Elizabeth Hargraves game, the the little pocket uh, Tussy Mussy. Tussy Mussy, that's the right. Flowers. And uh, I, her art is very, I don't know how, if you understand, very Smithsonian in its detail. Like you're, yes, it's you're, very it, descriptive. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you look at her images and it's, and it's like you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, like incredibly uh, um, scientific, you know, level drawings, like Smithsonian kind of. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, to me, it's just uh, th- yeah. Again, with that whole style, you know, you're if you if you've played enough games, you start to be able to pick out. Oh, that's a Sobel. That's a Sobel. That's a Sobel. Yeah, and um, even even more street cred into her books. Like she needs any more street cred, <laughs> but but she also um, created pieces for the um, Lord of the Rings living card game. So she's done. She's done Lord of the Rings oh, nice. art as well too. So like that does also. I didn't know that piece about her as well. So she's done lots more. Um, Calico. You've talked about Calico Norm. Yes. Yes. That's she, she, right. She's she done that one too. Um, one of my favorite um, abstract games, Lanterns. Uh, the little the little um, kind of like abstract tile laying game where it's, it's a lot of different colors and flower petals mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but. She did lanterns. Yeah, I, I like you said. I, 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 you call it Smithsonian. I call it very detailed <laughs> type type of art to really get you into the uh, uh, the. Oh, this is what uh, the Audubon Society. Um, the Audubon. They always come out with these published books and and the species. And there's always the there's always that picture 
that that gorgeous line drawing picture and that's I, I kept thinking Smithsonian but no yeah the Audubon Society uh, uh, published materials she, she just my brain just fires off like that when I see her stuff and to me that's like you know ultimate level credibility mm-hmm. yeah this episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Okay. All right. So I'm going to mention somebody that I didn't know about until I started researching for this podcast. Um, and so I I talked about Antarctica last week and as one of my underrated games. Uh, and I really like the artwork on that. It's got this cool cover of these little scientists and their coats on the Antarctic Peninsula. And their artist is... Dennis Lohausen, I believe that's how you say it. And then I started looking into what else he's done. And so he was also the artist behind, hey, Terra Mystica. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, cool. Because I, I really like Terra Mystica's art. I'm not big into fantasy in board games. It's, it's not really my theme. But there are a few games that I, that I do really love. And, of course, Terra Mystica is one of them. And the, Terra Mystica's got these 20 crazy fantasy races and they're all very distinct in their art style and then he also did village which is another oh my gosh i'm just looking at his list right now and yes (laughs) yes whoa these there's like a whole bunch of stuff popping up here right he just kind of i had never heard of him (laughs) until i did the research and i said hey he's done a lot of the games that i really like and I'm pretty sure he did Hansa Teutonica Norm. But I don't know if it's like the new one or not. That that I'm not really sure on. I, I don't I, that might not be a good thing to But if he's the guy behind the mustache, I mean that's the driest. That's that's like that's like paint paint peeling. He is. Dry. He's the guy he is, he's on the old <laughs> one. So he's the guy behind the mustache. So there you go. Oh, he's man, got that like new, credit to his fame as that's well. That's an awesome cred. <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh! Yep, lots of like, um, Aquasphere, <laughs> and Marco Polo, uh, like you just mentioned. Marco Polo, like He's I thought Robin. Marco Polo, I thought Marco Polo was a Clem's Franz art, but no, it's uh, See, now, it's, it's this guy. This guy's style just swings like like from one he's he's an artist for hire kind of because this it's like he's the Ron Howard of yeah of yeah art. yeah he he, does he what's can, needed. This guy, Absolutely. this guy has to be, this guy has to be rated. We have to, look, good job, Ian, and bringing this guy in because this is a guy that's like Clem's Franz and Michael Manzel level, of like popularity of games here. Oh, what? There's a lot of credentials going on here. Quacks Holy of Quedlin, Quacks of Quedlinburg, a very highly regarded game that came out in 2018. Yeah, and he's also part of the Dominion conglomerate as well. Wow. Good cool. call, Ian. Like, yes, I. This is definitely another standard in Euro game design. Cool. I keep right saying on. design when I mean art. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> so Dennis Lohausen. There you go. Check wow. him out. Cool. Well yep. Well, Norm, what you got? I'm gonna. I'm going to um, mention an artist here uh, that now I don't have the same volume of games that this this artist has their their work on but i do absolutely adore this style and um the first uh i'll say who it is and then i'll you know, so it's uh, uh mihailo dmitrievsky also known as miko and uh where i first clicked on miko was um, uh, when I saw for the first time City of Spies Esteril 
1942 when I saw that I'm a big fan of the Cold War right so when there, this was talked about I was I was interested right away then when I saw the art box like the box cover art I was like yes 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 whenever I can get my hands on yes and it's been it's been years since I've uh, um, been able to get a you know get a co I finally got a copy um, but uh yeah, City of Spies, Estrell. So I'm going to run through some of the stuff that he's done. And uh, and uh, <laughs> now, lots again... Of, lots of people have seen what he's done. Of the, everything of the West Kingdom, right? So I have Paladins, and I sometimes it takes me hours to play that game because I'm just looking at the art, just so so captiva captivated by each card and how cool the art is. It's just got such character. But uh, yeah, so the Architects of the West Kingdom... Uh, I think there's some Valeria connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. The, the Valeria um, series. Yeah. Claim. Um, I'm just kind of quickly flipping through here. The, the whole, well, the whole North, the whole North Sea trilogy, the North like sea Raiders, stuff, Raiders yeah. of the North Sea and um, Coloma. Um, yeah. Uh, Dice Settlers. Like again, one of these artists that I don't know how long uh, that uh, they've been participating in this, in this, uh, world um, but uh, yeah more more please when we talk about like distinct styles this is a very distinct style yeah because it's very he's people have like a lot of angles to them right there um, and and yeah, and exaggerated distinct. features right? right everything's got this kind of uh, um, uh, puffed up uh, caveman-y caveman-esque kind of, uh, uh, of volume to it um, but everything's intriguing, though. Yes, right. Everything like, has much, much of his, yeah, much of his work, like, um, is contracted with um, Renegade Games and Gar. Oh, sorry, Garfield, Garfield yes. Games, and he works closely with Shem Phillips a lot yeah. in all of his, um, all of his stuff. That Shem Phillips like trusts the Miko to develop the artistic style of the worlds that he's that he's trying to portray in his games. Like, so like the North sea trilogy, like everything yeah. is also interconnected the West yeah. kingdom. And then whatever the next, uh, he's got another trilogy on, on the way here. Yeah. Well, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I don't have a, like, you've got a lot of that stuff and, and I, I kind of feel guilty because uh, you, when you'd say, Hey, can I show you, you know, this North sea? Yes, of course you can. Cause I love this artist and I'll sit and I'll sit and just stare at the, you know, it's like, I don't mind losing this game if I can just soak up all this gorgeous art. So, and yeah, he's got Nico. another one on the way called Endless Winter, which is kind of like a, a Ice Age uh, new one that's supposed to come out next year. And his art got me kind of looking at that one. So What? 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 Wow. That that was a... Time. Can, can I, I'll, I'll go on here. That, that was a Kickstarter game, and I did not back it. <gasps> <gasps> I didn't know those existed, Ryan. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a. Are those mutually exclusive now? <laughs> Usually, that's an auto back for you, isn't it? Uh, cool. Well, we're uh, we're um. Uh, yeah. How about we just do some another couple just rapid fire we'll do ones? One more round. Yeah. We'll just we'll yeah. just. I uh, don't really I have anybody else. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, how about this one? If, if whoever's go. got anything on their list that they just want to you know fill in. Uh, and then we uh, then we can wrap this beautiful episode. I wanna, up. So Ryan, yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out. Gonna give a shout out to a Canadian duo, husband and wife, um, Lena Cassette and David yes. Forrest. Yes. Um, they do lots of the stuff with um, Roxley. Um, so they they did the new editions of Brass, so Brass Birmingham and Bat Brass Lancashire. Um, they did that. They did Steampunk Rally and Santorini. Mm -hmm. um, and they also huh. did. So the, the same person that did the new brass, like the new brass cover with the guy, and is the same person who did the Santorini cover. The same people. Yeah, because those are very different. <laughs> they're That's very. Cool. They're, aren't they? And they also did the world for Charterstone, for uh, in, in Charterstone. Okay. And well, um, the, cool. and the, and then Lena was on the team for um, that did the art that did the art with uh, for Sorcerer City. Um, oh, it's cool, a very, cool. it's a very bright and vibrant one. One game that Regan's really enjoying right now is called Grim Forest, and uh, they, she was on the team for for that one as well. And uh, 
yeah, so I wanted to give a shout out to them. They've done some really amazing work and they're Canadian. So we have to give love to our Canadian brothers and sisters. Yeah, eh? Those brass games are gorgeous. I'm, I'm a big fan oh, of them. Oh, gosh. I, I don't know if the brass cover would look good with the you know, Santorini-esque chibi heads. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to throw out uh, a quick uh, a quick hat tip to uh, Ray Toe. I hope I pronounced that correctly. But uh, Ray is the artist uh, that uh, did the cover for Race for the Chinese Zodiac, a, a capstone. But... The one I love, and I just I, can't, I just soak it up every time I play, is Three Kingdoms Redux. All of those cards that you have in that game all have, like, you know, scythe-level, panel-esque, narrative, descriptive imagery on it. They're just all so gorgeous and just, like, museum pieces in your hands. So, Ray Toe uh, is uh, one that I want to make sure that we get a little little hats off to. Um, and then there's another one for me. It's kind of along those same lines. And um, I poo-pooed on the art style for um, Dinosaur Island. For, se- for a second there, what, I thought I poo-poo was the artist's <laughs> name. I'm like, what? That, that's not- and we, we, only made, we only made mention of the because the, the art style didn't fit the theme for Dinosaur Island. But I do like the art in Dinosaur Island. And it was developed yes. by Quan Shai Moria. And if I, I I linked his 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 art page to um to our show notes and his art is so vibrant, mm-hmm. so bright, so colorful. Um, well, he did. He I did I, Black Angel. Yeah. And I so I started actually actually when I was doing the research for this too, I, I started saving some of his art pieces for like my my iPhone screenshots <laughs> and my my desktop um, background permission pending back, background thing because they they are so. <laughs> So beautiful. Um, Flip Ships is another one that I, I really enjoy of his too because it's just so... Oh, I just don't That know. is it, so bang on to a 1980s Space Invaders game without without appropriating legal uh, uh, implications. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. Oh, everything. So yeah, bright. Colorful. Yeah. Um, some of his X-Men stuff that he on his page too is just so like he's got some things of like a Jean Grey and Well, and didn't um, he do the art for the game? That that yep. straight up card Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, if you can make a card game with numbers visually look interesting, holy moly. And he's also Well, well he's, done. He's all he also did a his own take on Dune, like the book cover for Dune. As well as towards the bottom of his page, there he did a redesign as a personal project. Yeah, I love his takes on on her, her, his per, his perception on on uh, how something should be interpreted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Quan cool. Moria, he's a oh, one guy that I'm starting to pay attention to when I see his art. Right and then of course I'll just end it off. We can't do an artist episode without mentioning one of. The guy that I probably have the most games about, which is Ian O'Toole, and he has all of the Eagle Griffin big box um, games. Yeah. So like he just and he does like most of the uh, Vitella Serta games. I was he, if you if you were I see it on your list. If you were gonna say it, I was gonna say it on the on this uh, way out because uh, his Age of Steam cover is is oh is superb. Absolutely yeah. superb. One of my favorites of his is probably the Lisboa um, des- mm-hmm. uh, graphic design. It it's very blue. Like he he really yeah. captured that era, and oh yeah, he's I, but he's I done have, and he's I still mean, another one of those. He's done so many, and you recognize his style once you've um, once you've seen it. It's familiar. Very, it's very it's a very clean. He likes using um, pastel palettes. Yeah. Well, even with I have Irish Gauge, which is basically a map, a green map, and it looks interesting. <laughs> it's like how he pulled this off to make the the like less is more, subtle choices, um, uh, very intelligent use of contrasts. Yeah, his his art is is spectacular, and he's so busy. Yeah. Oh gosh, Absolutely. yeah, he's 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 one that I think a lot of people. He's so busy though because Vitella Serta just keeps pumping out more games yeah. for Eagle for Eagle Griffin yeah. and 
They want they Another want to continue deluxe? that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Deluxified. Yeah. Cool. Well, any the Ian, you got a couple of two cents you want to throw out there before we wrap this episode up? Uh, no, I think I've talked about people that have stood out to me. Cool. I uh, yeah. Right on. Well, we'd like to uh, if you've reached this point as always, we'd like to thank our listeners for tolerating us and uh hopefully you've gleamed a little bit of uh artistic interest from this and and uh yeah orion i think you've you got me a little little eager to go check out some of these artists uh um pages to see if they got prints for sale or something yeah that'd be awesome yep so i have, I have more appreciation for art than i let on <laughs> <laughs> Yay! And that's what it was about. Cool. Well, on that note, um, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.